Um, when filling in a form, as one has to do from time to time, I'm sometimes confronted by the question about my marital status. Um, it's, an easy, it's an easy question, as is um, the question. I still find it quite easy to answer the questions like your name, um, your address, that's dead easy. Date of birth, that's fixed in my mind. Age, that's a harder one. Um, I, I usually have to go back to the date of birth and then do some arithmetic before I answer that question. The question, which doesn't really come up in forums, is about being a Christian, is a similar one. Because when I take the box that says I'm married, I'm not saying that I'm a good husband. I'm not saying that I'm a better husband than, than somebody else. I'm simply saying that there's a relationship that I entered into. Um, I made a commitment, and someone made a commitment to me. And that's the same thing about being a Christian. It's not, am I a good person? It's not, am I any better or any worse than anybody else? It's whether or not I'm in a relationship, a relationship that has come to be through a commitment I have made and a commitment made to me. God has given His Son to be a Savior, sent Jesus to bear our sins, and God has made covenant promises to all who turn to Jesus for forgiveness that they will be received and will be adopted into His family. And there's the commitment that we make to follow Jesus, to take up our cross, to call Him Lord, which means boss of our lives. So that as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, we no longer live for ourselves, but we live to please Him who died and was raised for us. Another similarity. How do I know that I'm married? Um, I no longer wear a ring. Um, I do remember the wedding day. I've got some photos and so on. But these are not the reasons that I know. I, I know because of the life that I have day to day. The blessings and the responsibilities of relationship with Karen are with me every day. And I'm not at liberty just to please myself day by day. There's someone else to take into account. So it is with being a Christian. Although in this case, it's nothing like an equal partnership. There are blessings and responsibilities that are with us every day and every part of who we are and every part of what we're about. Paul has been setting some of these out in the first half of the letter to the Ephesians. He's talked about blessings such as are being brought from death to life, talking there not just of physical death but of spiritual death and life, of eternal death and life. Before Christ, we are without hope. Without Christ, we are without hope. But the gospel brings us into that place of eternal life because Christ has died and has risen for us. He's talked about the blessings of being adopted into the family of God. It's for those who believe in the name of Jesus that are a part of God's family, His children. It's them that have that status. And God has given us a meaning and a purpose for life He's not left us just to muck around and find our own way. There's blessings like receiving forgiveness, for we've all done wrong and none of us can forgive ourselves. He's spoken about the blessings of having the Holy Spirit with us, about a blessing of being able to approach God with freedom and confidence, 
That's not the same thing as a, a presumption, and too often it's mistaken for presumption. People think God should be there to do things for them. That's, that's His job. But it isn't. He is a holy God. We are impure sinners. How, how dare we think that we can simply just snap our fingers and have God dance to our tune? How dare we think that we just automatically and easily have fellowship with Him? It's, it's a blessing of the gospel. That through Christ we are counted as pure, that through Christ we are given righteousness, and on that basis we can be in fellowship with the living and holy God. Now, Paul has explained some of these and other blessings, and in the second half of the letter, he says more about the responsibilities that we have then to live for Christ. In a similar way then to my showing that I'm married by living out the responsibilities of that day by day, so too I'm to live out the ways of the gospel. Fulfilling my responsibilities is not what makes me married or makes me a Christian, but shows that the marriage is real or shows that the relationship with Jesus is real, that I've understood something of at least what they're about. And that while there are many times and many instances when I fall short, nevertheless, I have accepted that there are responsibilities and that in taking them serious, I'm serious about the relationship. So becoming and being a Christian is not like putting a tick in the census form that says, I'm a Christian, or I believe in God, but it's about being in an active, living relationship with the living God, who through His Son has ransomed us for sin and adopted us into His family. So then, Paul says in the second half of the letter, we are to live a life worthy of that. That was his beginning of this section, way back at the beginning of chapter 4. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. And it's repeated again in this section in chapter 5 that John read for us. We are to live a life worthy. You're to live as children of light, verse 8. Be very careful then, verse 15, how you live. Put it into practice. And it's this that forms the basis of the instructions that the apostle gives. He's not simply picking out a few rules, but he's unfolding and unpacking part of what it means to be following Jesus. And notice, firstly, that it's a, it's a whole of life behavior. When he talks about the responsibilities that we have if we're going to live the Christian life, he, he doesn't start by saying things like, make sure you turn up at church, um, make sure you've got your offering with you, um, sing the hymns loudly. He, he doesn't start with any of that. He focuses on how we live before the world. Following Jesus is not but putting a few religious activities alongside whatever else we do. It's a whole of life change. You once were in darkness, verse 8, but now you're in light. It's a completely different thing. To return for a moment to the illustration of marriage, I am not married only when I am with Karen or when I know that she's watching me. It's an all-of-life thing. I'm married whether she's here or not. I cannot unmarry myself in order to do this or that. I cannot unmarry myself so that I could go here or go there. Everything I do, I do as Karen's husband. 
And in a similar way, I'm not a Christian only when I remember to be or when I am on duty or when I am aware that God is around. It's in all of life commitment and takes in all of life. I can no more live apart from the presence of God, live outside of the reach of God, live away from involvement with God than a fish can choose to live outside and apart from water. And so the instructions, verses 3 and following about sexual immorality, the instructions about greed, the instructions in these verses about a conversation, the instructions given, verse 19, about what we say, or verse 18, about how much or how little we drink, all of these are part and parcel of living as children of light. It is not that God is interested where we are on a Sunday morning and doesn't care about the rest of the week. It doesn't mean that we can be a Christian on Sunday morning and a non-Christian or a different person for the rest of the week. It's an all-of-life relationship, he's saying and describing here. We are to turn, as we sang in the third verse of that last hymn, from every wrong, from every evil way. From dark to light we turn. And as well as that being all of life, it's also, notice, distinctive. The use of light and darkness is an imagery that's deliberately stark. When you look into a room, you'll be able to tell. Is it light or is it dark in that room? If someone asks you about whether that room is warm or is cold, you have to do a wee bit more to find out. If someone asks, is it a big room? Well, you might be unsure. How big is big? Depends what you're wanting to use the room for. If someone says, is it comfortable? Um, Well, you might need to explore that a bit, go in and, and see if it is or not. But is it light or is it dark? Well, you know that right away. The difference is immediate and obvious and distinctive. Now, notice verse 8. The apostle does not say that you were in darkness and now you are in light. He says you were darkness and now you are light. That is, it's not that your circumstances or your situation have changed. He's saying to the believers, it's you who are different. You who once were this are now that. You who once were darkness are now light. It's a big change. And it's one that I'm not at all sure that we we grasp well enough. I hear many folk describing the thoughts about God and their relationship with God in terms of what their circumstances are what they might expect to happen or or not happen. And they consider that before. They consider, how does this relationship mean that I have to change? For this whole life, this distinctive change that the apostle describes is not about just what might happen to us or around us, but is very much about how we change and how we respond to what's happening around us. It's about the transformation of our ambitions, our desires, our hopes, our behavior. 
So, verse 10, find out what pleases the Lord. And again, part of marriage is that we do find out what pleases the other person, and we give consideration to that. But again, our relationship with God is not an agreed partnership between equals. Always He is the Creator, we the creatures. He is holy and pure, and we are forgiven, but still sinners. He is the Savior, and we are the saved. He the shepherd, and we are the sheep. So, finding out what pleases Him and putting that into practice is of critical significance. We should be known, the people of God, for a positive impact, for service to others, for generosity, for exceptional kindness, for our complete reliability and integrity, for our understanding of others. We should be known as a people who are not only going to speak up when our interests are at stake, who are not only going to take an interest in things when it's our interests that are being challenged. We should be known as a people who can be completely relied upon not to have any ulterior motives or or hidden agendas. That's the calling. Once you were darkness, now you're light. That's pretty thoroughgoing. But not only is it an all-of-life behavior, not only is it a call to be truly distinctive, the apostle is saying in these verses that it, it really makes a difference. In verse 13, he points out, keeping with this imagery of light and darkness, he points out that when light shines, darkness is overcome. When the light is switched on in the room, darkness is banished, done away with. And when the light is switched on in the dark room, that's it settled. It's now light. What was not seen is now evident. What was previously hidden is exposed. And gospel light does both of these things. Both it shows up and exposes sin, but also makes apparent, verse 9, goodness and righteousness and truth. Now, it's all too common to hear people bemoaning the way things are in the world today. You know, I never watch the news because it's depressing. I never read the papers because it's all bad news. Common enough to hear folks saying, well, you know, it's not like it used to be. Um, It's common enough to hear folks saying, well, you know, I don't know. It's terrible all this that's happening. Where's it all going to end up and, and everything? There's some substance to the complaints, yeah, but whose fault is it? Or whose responsibility is it? If a house is dark when night has fallen, that's not the house's fault. The question is, where is the light? So, where is the light in the world? And where is the light to be? Where is the light to come from? Well, Jesus said, Matthew 5, to his followers that you are the light of the world. And here Paul is taking up that exact same point. You are the light, you're to shine, and light, verse 13, will overcome darkness. 
And so it's not enough for us to say we do not like the way that the world's going. The question is for us, how can we shine brightly as it gets worse? Or how can we shine brightly starting where we are and looking to extend that, that darkness might be banished? And verses 15 and 16 tell us that we are really to make an effort to be an influence for Jesus. Be very careful then, making the most of every opportunity. Each day we are to be, and this is the imagery we're looking at last week in chapter 4, each day the imagery to be putting off all that is not of the Lord and putting on that which is. God has given us opportunities and responsibilities to make a difference. And we're not left alone in doing this. Both we have the Holy Spirit, verse 18, and we have the fellowship of one another, verse 19. The apostle is not speaking to a collection of individuals who can do it in their own strength, but a people who, with God's Spirit, are to be working together with an all-of-life difference that is truly distinctive and truly makes a difference. So then, verse 15, be very careful. What sort of things are you careful about? Well, I think I know. I think we're careful about things that really matter to us, aren't we? We take care when something's important. We don't take much care if it doesn't matter. I take care yesterday to find out about results of the round ball game. Didn't take much interest to find out results of the oval ball game. There's one I care about, one I don't. Some of, some of you sad people are the other way around. But here you go, that's all right. That's, that's you know, we're different. But my point here is that the things that, that, that matter to us, the things that we deem to be important, are things that we're careful about. We try harder to find out. We try harder to do them properly. We, we try harder to make sure that we don't miss. You try harder to remember a, a birthday or, a, or an anniversary for folks who are, who are close to you, folks who really matter to you. You're not too worried. You don't, when, you, when you forget mine, you don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't care, do you? It's okay, I'm not hurt. But you know what I mean, you know what I mean. We, the, the folk, when people matter to us, we, we, we take an interest. We make it a priority. So then the apostle says, verse 15, be very careful. And it raises for us the question, how careful are we to be pleasing God and how we can do that today? How, how careful am I to check that my, my light is shining? How careful am I that I've, verse 10, found out what pleases the Lord and then have put that into practice, having nothing to do with darkness, verse 11, 
and putting on the ways of Christ. What opportunities did you take yesterday, the, the day before, last week, to be a light in the dark world? Be very careful. Make the most of every opportunity. The church is to be where people can be transformed into a fuller humanity, living like Jesus under the rule of God. Our message is not about one or two wee bits of life improvement or the need to add on a religious aspect to life as we already know it. Our message is not about stacking up a waiting room full of people for heaven. It's about inviting people to the transformed life of God's kingdom, lived as fully and as daringly as possible here and now, even when that living the values of God's kingdom brings us into clash and conflict with the values of the world. It is the invitation to become part of a community in which together, being helped by God's Spirit and led by God's Spirit, we are people who are being changed to become more like Jesus day by day. It means becoming more generous, more humble, more joyful, more alive, and becoming less marked by those features which diminish us as people, arrogance, jealousy, bitterness, cruelty, and so on. It is a lifelong putting off what is not Jesus-like and putting on the ways of Jesus, not just for the religious bits of life, but for all of life. Not just a few alterations here or there, but a truly distinctive lifestyle. Not to blend in, but to make a difference. And to do so for Jesus' sake. Because it's not all about us. Again, that's what the apostle had been spelling out so richly and fully in the first few chapters. It's not all about us. The world does not owe us an existence. There's a coming kingdom of God. God has given glory in all His fullness, and that kingdom is to be tasted and experienced now. And that is, the, the glory of God is what matters even in the here and now. glory of God before my personal agenda. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so this call to live in light is a call to do that. Yes, it will be better for us, but more significantly to do that for Jesus' sake and for the glory of God. For that is to be our ultimate goal, our ultimate concern, our ultimate joy. How very careful are we about the glory of God? How very careful are we about making the most of every opportunity that God is pleased, that God is glorified, Let us pray.